Praying this prayer with sincerity requires two important functions of the heart. Number one is believing the truth about God. You've got to believe the truth about God, who He is and His kingdom, before you can truly pray this prayer. And number two is to agree and submit to Him. So I will read this passage and I'll start talk about portions of it in this manner therefore pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Looking at the very beginning of this prayer, Jesus says, Our Father in heaven. And I wonder, do we realize how much love it took to make this possible? That we can be called the sons and daughters of God. This kind of love is what I want us to focus on. It's that love that He has for you and me today. Whatever you may be going through, or whatever is overwhelming you today, His love is stronger. His love is up to date. It didn't change last week or last night. I really believe that if we could get a grip on how much God loves us, or how much He loves me, it would change me. It would change my attitudes and my actions and the words I use. So the first word in this prayer is, I believe, very important. It says, Our Father. It doesn't say, My Father in Heaven, but Our Father. This points out a very important element in our walk with the Lord. It is together. I do not believe that the long-term model of the church is supposed to be followed by social distancing. I believe that there is a design for togetherness in the Christian church. Jesus clearly shows his desire that we pray and worship together with the very beginning of this prayer. And I'll add right here, it seems though that the um, priorities are in order as well in the prayer, but not necessarily 100%, but it just feels that way as I'm studying and praying over this prayer. Um, the first word is our, Father. So there's a togetherness in our worship. Um, when we think of the Father, we are to think of Him as our Father. He's not just my Father. You see, I can't with ill will, I can't act in ill will towards you if I'm worshiping God as our Father. I will only do good to the one who is a subject of the king I love. So when I worship God as your God too, I can't quickly do you ill will. I must love you because of the God that I love as well. As a parent, I occasionally get insight into some heavenly things. <clears throat> Our children love us, and most of the time they do, it seems. And... Um, they will tell us this repeatedly, and I really like that. I love it to be told that they love me. Um, 
But there is little that hurts a parent more than when a sibling is acting unkindly toward another. Um, that hurts me. And is it that way with God? We say, I love you, Lord, but don't act lovingly towards one of his children. How does that make him feel? How does our lo I love you sound to him when we're acting unloving towards someone in the church? There is a huge movement towards individualism in churches today. It's all about me and God. This is a dangerous movement, though it sounds innocent enough. It's true that I have to be right in a right relationship with God. Um, you can't even have a healthy church without all the individuals being right personally with God. I'm not minimizing that. However, where this movement quickly breaks down is the offense factor of someone trying to practice New Testament version of keeping each other accountable. How dare they talk about something, talk to me about something in my life. That's between me and God. The individualistic approach to Christianity goes against half, if not more than half, of the New Testament teachings. What happens so quickly in individualistic Christian society is people go astray doctrinally since no one will challenge them or speak into the truth into their lives. They become heretic virus hotbed. You become an island to yourself. Your feelings and what you feel truth is. Um, folks, we need each other. God has designed His kingdom to be a family affair. He has designed us to need each other in this Christian life, and He desires unity and worship. We each have unique gifts and blind spots. Isn't that a neat picture, though, that we each have gifts but also blind spots and yet working together we can more accurately worship God and have unity all right next portion is hallowed be thy name I've got this scripture memorized from the King James version but I'm reading from the new King James um, so it just feels right to say hallowed be thy name instead of hallowed be your name um, that's an old word, hallowed. What does it mean? I shouldn't ask you questions because I'm going to answer it. Hallowed means to make holy. So here goes another question. Is God's name holy? Yes. So why does Jesus pray that his name would be made holy? Obviously God's name is held up as holy in heaven, but here on earth it obviously isn't. You, Christian, and I are the representatives of God's name here on earth. O oh Lord, help us. We are to be lifting up your holy name. The way we live and the way we go through our day is either lifting up God's name or causing blasphemy of his name here in this earth. The way we do business, the way we work, the way we parent, forgive, drive, eat, talk, etc., either lifts up God's name or lowers it. Folks, our God is beautiful 
and to be desired. That's truly who our God is. Are we living lives that are drawing people to him? Are they seeing that kind of God in our lives? We are ambassadors. We're to shine like little lights in the darkness, um, showing them the light and love of Jesus. We are the ones to debunk Satan's lies to the world about who God is. When we pray, hallowed be thy name, we are asking God to use us to do it. Now the next one, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What do you, um, what do kingdoms of the world look like? When I think about the kingdoms of the world, I think about politics, um, authority struggles, um, selfishness, an environment where bribery and extortion are acceptable and even expected. The strong take care of themselves and take advantage of the weak. Chaos. The kingdoms of the world are at war with one another and within themselves. There is constant churning of every different value system and elements of worship. What does God's kingdom look like? Zero authority struggles. There is one and only one on the throne. In God's kingdom, it's the opposite of selfishness. Jesus showing that as he came not only to wash feet, but also to die in our place. The opposite of chaos is order, unity. Each individual equally valued None working unto themselves, all working for the king and loving it. Thy kingdom come, O oh God, I want to be a part of this kingdom. Bring the kingdom of heaven and let it grow on earth and let it grow in me. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's really what the kingdom of God looks like. His will being done every time, all the time, just like it is in heaven. I think that's why heaven is such a beautiful, peaceful place with no chaos and stress. Because God's will is always done, no question. God wants to do a work in you. Is His kingdom, is the kingdom of God obviously ruling in your life? So we pray... Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're really submitting to God's will and asking him to do a work in us. This he wants to do. He loves hearing us pray and ask this. Give us this day our daily bread. I love it. It's not the first request on the list, but it's a close fourth. Folks, God really cares for you and He wants you to ask and trust Him for daily provision. This daily bread, I believe, covers all of our physical needs. You know, we as Americans can kind of take this one for granted. Um, maybe up until more recently when the COVID pandemic has changed things a little bit. The... Um, field to the table chain has been interrupted a little bit and we might be 
wondering where our beef is going to come from soon. It might have to come from Herald and not Foodline. Um, the economy can be upset in a short moment as well. So really, this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is just as relevant to Americans as it is to Haitians. God is the one who provides, and we need to be thankful, and we need to ask. He wants us to ask, and He wants us to trust Him. We have nothing to fear. We must trust Him. Moving on, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If God stopped forgiving us our debts, we'd be toast. But what is that part about as we forgive? I'd like the prayer to go a little differently. I'd like it to say, and forgive us our debts in spite of how we forgive our debtors. Nope, it says, as we forgive. Or in the same way we forgive others. It's interesting that right in the middle of the perfect model prayer, Jesus assumes that you and I will be hurt by others and will have some reason to forgive. Jesus knows our every situation and he knows he isn't asking too much to ask us to completely forgive. Forgiveness is simply letting go of my right to make the one who hurt me pay. And I know you've heard this about forgiveness. You can't withhold forgiveness when you look at Jesus and how much He's forgiven me and us. Um, when I picture the cross and remember my sins forgiven, I'm compelled to forgive. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it easy. it's easy, but I know it's possible by the power and the grace of our Lord. He shed His blood for these things. Nothing is too hard for Him to do a work in us. Moving on here. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, my children would sometimes pray, Lord, help me to be good. Help us to be good today. And I would wonder about the theological correctness. Um, but I guess this is where they get it. Do not lead us into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. You know, God does not tempt. James 1.13 says, Let no man say that I am tempted. When he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. There is an enemy of our souls who is trying to get us to fall, and yet we have a deliverer says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us. Focus on that. Deliver us. God is our deliverer, and he wants to deliver us. And lastly, this is such a beautiful closing. I'm not sure how to, to unpack it. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's like if I would try to unpack it, I would say, Lord, I acknowledge 
It's all about your kingdom and not mine. Your kingdom, not mine. Lord, I acknowledge that it's by your power that I live my life and not my own. Lord, I acknowledge that it's for your glory that I live and not mine. Lord, I believe that this arrangement will never end. This arrangement will last forever. And when I say amen, I embrace this arrangement. Amen. I embrace it. So a quick summary. We are to address God as our Father. We are to lift up His name with our lives and with our praise. We are to invite His kingdom to rule in our hearts and homes. We need to ask for those physical things that we need. We need to ask for forgiveness and a cleansed heart. And we need to ask for protection from the evil one. And lastly, we acknowledge that it's all about his kingdom and life is lived by his power and for his glory. And that brings me to the conclusion of the message. And I will read, I would like to read the, or pray the Lord's Prayer and you can bow your heads and hearts with me as I pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, God loves you.